0: It depends upon what the meaning of the word is Welcome to Forward Thinking, I'm Tremaine Billum and this is Nietzsche in a Nutshell. I have with me Dave Ward who is a lecturer at the University of Edinburgh and he teaches a class on Nietzsche. So Dave, can you tell us a little bit about Friedrich Nietzsche, who is he and why is his work important?
1: Well, Nietzsche is a German philosopher born in 1844, so writing after some other very famous german philosophers kant hegel marx schopenhauer and buddies with some other important cultural figures like wagner in his early life why is he important well one reason why he's really important is that his work has been like very influential to basically all the major schools of philosophy who've come after him so the sort of philosophy that tends to get taught in most British and American universities is often known as analytic philosophy. For a long time that tradition kind of ignored Nietzsche's work but over the past 20-30 years or so his work's really been rediscovered by that tradition. People are trying to recognise all kinds of ways in which Nietzsche's insights map onto things that people are really actively interested in researching today. There's another main philosophical tradition that sometimes gets called continental philosophy which is a strand of basically European and European influence thought that is the kind of philosophy that you'd usually study if you're um, studying philosophy in France or, or Germany. And Nietzsche has always been like a really central figure for that philosophical movement. So the sorts of people who might most often be associated with philosophy by people who don't have a background in studying academic philosophy, people like Foucault and Derrida, Sartre, people like that, all kind of like really influenced by Nietzsche and his works and his central ideas.
0: So he's actually got a bit of a wide reach then.
1: Yeah, indeed. Once you start studying him and reading him, you sort of see aspects of his thought kind of filtering down into all kinds of strange places in the 20th century.
0: So if I was just, well, I am just any old person off the street, why should I care? How how would Nietzsche's work influence my daily life? Like how should it influence my daily life?
1: Yeah, excellent question. I think the main thing that Nietzsche wants to get people to realize, I mean, it's a tricky question because one of the reasons why Nietzsche is such an appealing philosopher to a lot of people is that he writes in a way that sort of resists easy interpretation and kind of invites multiple different interpretations. So anything that I say about Nietzsche pretty much in this podcast is going to be, Controversial, and there are going to be a lot of well informed readers of Nietzsche who think exactly the opposite. But I think the single most idea that Nietzsche would want people to take from his work is this idea of like considering what values you have and how they shape your life, and thinking about where those values come from and whether or not they're really the right values for you. So that's to kind of put Nietzsche's message in a very simplified form but he's kind of written hundreds and hundreds hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of pages and I think you can read a lot of his work through the lens of trying to get people to ask that central question about themselves and trying to give people ideas about why it's such an important question and how they can answer it.
0: Thank you. So of all Nietzsche's works, which would you say is actually your favourite or the one that you know the best and what can you tell us about it?
1: Well, probably my the one that is both my favorite and the one that I know the best is late period work called The Genealogy of Morality and what happens in that book is probably the most famous and the most widely read I would say of Nietzsche's books perhaps apart from Thus Spake Zarathustra. But what happens in The Genealogy of Morality is Nietzsche basically tries to give what looks like a historical summary of how we arrived in the 19th century when he was writing but looks like a lot of what he says applies to the 20th century and the present as well how we arrived at the ways of valuing things and thinking about ourselves that we have today so in very brief and contentious outline the story looks like it's something like we adopted these kind of judeo-christian forms of morality as a result of various historical forces that it looks like Nietzsche is describing in in the early parts of the book. And then in the later parts of the book, it looks like he's saying that somehow those ways of valuing and thinking about ourselves have started to undermine themselves and have started to reveal internal tensions within themselves that Nietzsche wants to suggest are resulting in a lot of the problems that we kind of face in, in modern life. Just one of those would be, for example, a kind of sense of vague alienation or, the, or nihilism or the fact that there aren't really any values to be found in life. So this is one of the axes along which interpreters of Nietzsche differ, whether or not we should read him as a philosopher who just is a nihilist, who's kind of really telling us that, look, now that we've unmasked the Judeo-Christian values that are guiding our thought for what they are, That makes us realize that there just aren't any objective values to be found. But other people think that it's very important to read Nietzsche as a philosopher who has some positive messages for us. So in a lot of things that Nietzsche writes, it looks like he's both aware of this possibility of nihilism and really adamantly opposed to it. So the other way of reading Nietzsche is thinking he's not just telling us about this nihilistic diagnosis of contemporary society. He's actually giving us some suggestions about what we can do to recognise where that danger of nihilism is coming from and how to move beyond it.
0: So you've talked about Judeo-Christian values. Can you just explain what that term actually means?
1: Well, the simplest answer is that they're just the values and suggestions for how to live your life that you get out of the Bible. So think of the Ten Commandments and think in the most general terms about this idea that the right way of answering the question what should I do? How should I live my life? Is consulting some independent external authority that doesn't have anything essentially to do with you and your life. okay? So when Nietzsche is trying to argue that Judeo-Christian morality is problematic in these deep philosophical ways, it's this idea of being uncritically and dogmatically guided by some external authority whose interests might be completely independent of and alien from yours that he really has in his sights.
0: So speaking of Judeo-Christian values, one of his most famous quotes, because I did a little bit of reading, was, God is dead. Now, that sounds to me pretty anti-Christian, and I feel like a lot of people would agree with that. What do you have to say about that?
1: Well, there are a lot of ways in which Nietzsche's undeniably opposed to lots and lots of aspects of what he calls Christian or Judeo-Christian morality. A very common reading of Nietzsche, which, I mean, I hope this doesn't offend anybody who's read some Nietzsche, but I I think is not a correct reading. And the way in which people who haven't read very much Nietzsche often read him is that Nietzsche is is just a kind of anti-Christian philosopher, and that the main thing we should take away from Nietzsche is something like, you know, here are all these reasons why Christian morality is rubbish, here are all these reasons why believing in God is stupid, and so don't be a Christian, don't believe in God. I don't think we can read Nietzsche as saying anything quite that simple, for reasons that we can perhaps get into. What I think Nietzsche is getting at when he's telling us that God is dead isn't just that we don't believe in god anymore so when nietzsche says that god is dead it's actually in the context of him giving this strange parable about a madman who's like wandering around searching for god in a marketplace pretending or maybe sincerely trying to find god and in the parable or story that nietzsche tells us there's all these people around kind of wondering what on earth this crazy person is up to and then The crazy person with the lantern kind of gives them a speech, and as part of that speech, he tells them that God is dead and you and I have killed him, among other things. So one of the things that is going on there, first of all, it's not clear that it's Nietzsche saying that God is dead. It's a character in this strange story that he's telling. This is one of the kind of distinctive aspects of Nietzsche's writings. He's kind of using all these interesting literary and stylistic devices that have to make you kind of think really hard about what he's actually up to. But also, the idea that God is dead, and that we have killed him, I think is intended to draw our attention to the fact that God and the way of thinking and valuing that the Christian God represents for Nietzsche is something that we had to invent as a society on Nietzsche's view. And the death of God on Nietzsche's view is also something that has happened as a result of ourselves and our society and various ways in which that society has changed in response to various sorts of internal pressures. And so when Nietzsche is saying, God is dead, I think he's not just saying something that's narrowly restricted to a criticism of Christian morality, he's saying something much broader about the way in which our kind of most fundamental values and just ways of understanding ourselves and our lives are things that have been invented. us. They have a history and the values that we have now, or at least that we had at the time that Nietzsche was writing, according to Nietzsche, have started to undermine themselves and exhibit internal tensions that we need to think about and address.
0: Oh, okay. That sounds really interesting. (laughs) So he's not endorsing being anti-Christian or being an anti-Semite, is he?
1: No. So I think it's very important for Nietzsche that People who endorse any kind of Judeo-Christian morality ask themselves all kinds of difficult questions in ways that Nietzsche tries to explain for us. But I think he's very explicit in a lot of places in his work that he just rejects anti-Semitic movements. So anti-Semitism was something that was pretty widespread in Germany at the time that Nietzsche was was writing, and in a lot of his published remarks and a lot of his correspondence, he expresses a lot of frustration at the way in which he thought people were misreading him as being an anti-Semitic philosopher himself. So the thing that Nietzsche wants to set against his critique of Judeo-Christian values is this point that Judeo-Christian values for Nietzsche are completely central to his way of understanding himself and thinking about himself and, according to Nietzsche, just all of modern Europe's ways of thinking about and understanding ourselves. So... Even though Nietzsche thinks that Judeo-Christian morality kind of raises important and difficult questions about itself, it's not like Nietzsche thinks that it's something that we can just straightforwardly get rid of or dispose of. Because if Nietzsche's right, then it's something that is really deeply and fundamentally central to who we are and how we understand ourselves in the first place.
0: How would you respond to neo-Nazis and members of the alt-right who have actually used some of this work to justify their discriminatory beliefs?
1: I mean, I guess I would respond to them directly by just suggesting that they should go and read some more Nietzsche (laughs) and read it more carefully. Um, So I think it's undeniable that there are lots of things about Judeo-Christian morality that Nietzsche is deeply suspicious of and probably even opposed to. So when I was saying that Nietzsche thinks that certain aspects of our culture and our ways of thinking about ourselves and evaluating our lives have undermined themselves, Nietzsche's way of telling that story kind of lays the blame squarely at the door of what he calls this Judeo-Christian way of valuing and and way of thinking. And again, in very brief outline, the idea is something like what Nietzsche thinks is problematic about Judeo-Christian morality is that it contrasts our life on this earth with some kind of different and better realm. So the kind of Christian idea of heaven is the most simple concrete instantiation of that other realm. So Nietzsche's problem with Christian morality is that it kind of devalues what we're up to here on earth by opposing it to something that's going to be much better, right? So what Nietzsche doesn't like about Judeo-Christian morality is this idea that there's something doomed and hopeless and fallen about our life on this earth, but all we can do in light of that, is just make the best of a bad job and it'll be fine once we're dead. Okay, Nietzsche thinks that this is a view of life that has led to this problem of a creeping nihilism in our culture where we can't really take any values that we find for ourselves in this world seriously. And Nietzsche thinks that that's something kind of really dangerous that we should confront and that we should get beyond. So in that sense, Nietzsche is certainly an anti-Judeo-Christian philosopher.
0: So is he saying essentially that we shouldn't be living for the afterlife, we should be living for what we have here and now. Is that essentially what he's saying?
1: I think so, yeah. So live in the now, you know, this is where we are, this is who we are. So look for the meaning of your life and look for what's good and valuable about life here in your life rather than in some other realm that you're contrasting with or opposing to this life.
0: So he's got nothing necessarily against Christians or Jews. It's purely the idea that what we have here and now doesn't matter and it's what matters afterwards that is the point.
1: Yeah, I think that's the main thing that Nietzsche wants to say philosophically. I wouldn't quite want to say that he has things against Christians or Jews, but I think he's very keen on encouraging them to ask these questions about themselves. So one of the things that Nietzsche thinks that he's doing by giving us these sort of histories of our contemporary forms of morality and our contemporary ways of thinking about themselves and and where they've come from, is showing that they do have these historical and cultural origins, that they are ways of thinking about ourselves that we've invented. And one of the things that he does in this book that I mentioned, The Genealogy of Morality, is try to show that the Judeo-Christian forms of morality that he's interested in have these sort of shady origins all to do with you know power and suffering and seeking after power that look like they're straightforwardly opposed to the sorts of virtues and goods that Judeo-Christian morality is supposed to value. Okay, And so if you read Nietzsche's books and if you buy into that diagnosis and you started from the point where you were somebody who endorsed these Judeo-Christian values, then what that raises for you is the possibility that there might be something essentially sort of hypocritical or self-deceived about yourself. And so I think the message that Nietzsche has to people who buy into a Judeo-Christian form of morality isn't straightforwardly that you should abandon that form of morality. It's stupid, it's doomed, and you're a bad person. Okay, it's that you sort of have this duty to think about yourself and the way in which you're endorsing these values. Are they kind of really coming authentically from you and yourself? Or if you investigate it, are you buying into these values for some reason that is maybe internally inconsistent or slightly self-deceived. So to tie all that back up, there's a sense in which Nietzsche definitely is suspicious of judeo-christian morality. But I think by virtue of what I think Nietzsche is doing as a philosopher, he just can't be doing anything as simple as just dogmatically saying this is a bad form of morality, nobody should endorse it, because part of what Nietzsche is doing is trying to show us that any kind of value claim like this about what is a good way of living or a bad way of living is always made from some particular vantage point against the backdrop of some particular set of interests and particular historical viewpoint. So Nietzsche doesn't really have any place where he could stand, as it were, and objectively say, you know, don't do this, do this. So I think all we can really consistently read him as doing is Recommending people to take a good hard look at themselves and the way in which they live their lives and value what they value.
0: So there's no right or wrong answer, there's just the idea that you should question everything.
1: Yeah, that's a very popular way of reading what Nietzsche has to say to us. An alternative way is to say maybe we don't have to get rid of the idea of right or wrong answers completely, but if we take what Nietzsche is saying seriously, we have to rethink what rightness and wrongness mean. Oh, okay. So against the sort of way of thinking and valuing that Nietzsche is trying to criticise, there's a very easy answer to what's right and wrong. For example, if you endorse a Judeo-Christian morality, you just kind of need to know what God says and what God thinks, and that if what you're doing and what you're thinking corresponds to that way of thinking about things, then you're getting it right. The whole idea of our minds corresponding To a way that the world is in itself is bound up with this quasi-religious way of thinking. So this is one of the reasons why Nietzsche has become an important philosopher to so many traditions. So one of the interesting things that Nietzsche is up to is trying to show us that this project of criticising certain moral systems and certain social and political systems is bound up with the process of criticising and evaluating various philosophical systems. So in this case, the very philosophical idea that there's some objective standard that we can apply to determine whether or not we're getting things right in our thinking and valuing.
0: Okay, and finally, I think we've touched on this already, but if you could pick one quote or simply one aspect of Nietzsche's work to live by what would it be and why?
1: Well, I think it has to be something like the theme that I've been most insistently trying to harp on already, right? this idea that just in virtue of where we are as a species and as a culture, Nietzsche thinks that we just have this duty to take a good, long, hard look at ourselves and think about the way in which we live our lives and what we value and try and think about whether those values are really coming sort of authentically from us, as it were, and whether they're somehow might be hypocritical or self-deceived or problematic in some other way once we take a good look at them. So just to come back to Nietzsche's attitudes to Jews and Christians and things, because of the way that I read Nietzsche, I think that Nietzsche has to say that if a Jewish person or a Christian person or somebody with any kind of evaluative system, pretty much, does that, right takes a good hard look at themselves and authentically comes to think, yeah, you know, I I completely understand where my way of looking at the world comes from and where my way of living my life comes from. I understand that it has this particular history. Maybe I even understand that it has certain contradictions and tensions like buried within it, but I'm still happy with it. It's still my way of living and it's still what I want to do. I think Nietzsche just has to say, well, good for you. I'm happy for you. Okay. So, what I don't think we can take from Nietzsche is any sort of concrete do's and don'ts about how to live your life apart from just think about it. Try and be undogmatic and clear headed and think about it creatively and deeply and sympathetically in the way that Nietzsche has tried to do himself.
0: Thank you very much for taking the time to speak to us. This has been Dave Ward. I've been Tremaine Billem. And this is Nietzsche in a nutshell. If you want to know more about the topics discussed in this podcast, Follow the links on the Forward Thinking blog at forwardthinking.ppls.ed.ac.uk. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes for more research, news and views from philosophy, psychology and language sciences here at the University of Edinburgh. It depends upon what the meaning of the word is.